Hey, are you or someone you care about considering, dealing with, or being through a divorce or separation? Well, you're in the right place. You don't have to do this alone. There are people who care and want to help. Hi, I'm Dina Court, an author, blogger, publisher, and empowerment coach. Thanks for joining me on the Divorce Magazine Canada podcast. You are going to hear from our team of experts and professionals how to navigate this difficult transition in your life easier, more efficiently, and with better outcomes. Did you know we host online divorce resource groups that are free to attend and everyone is welcome? Check out the links in our show notes and be sure and join us. We love bringing experts to you. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com and stay tuned at the end for the legal language. Ready? Here we go. In this episode of the Hope and Health series here on the Divorce Magazine Canada podcast, we are working towards bringing more awareness to domestic abuse and my guest today Donna James, a freelance writer, brand builder, visual designer, and coach, shares more about the dirty little secret that she kept for years and what she is now doing to help support women. I am super excited to bring a special guest to you today, a lady that I feel we have so much in common. We have a mission that is common, and I am really thrilled that she is willing to share her experiences and the mission that she is on as well for bringing more awareness and an education to the public so that we can create that community of compassion that that so many people need. My guest today is Donna James. Hi, Donna. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to find another voice in this world that is that is so caring and has such a heart for for the women who who need to hear they aren't alone can you tell us a bit about yourself whatever you care to share the work that you do that is relevant to this or actually what you do as well in your business tell us about you and your why okay uh well my name is Donna, and I left my abusive marriage um, quite a few years ago now. And when I did, I had uh, two very young boys, and I was terrified. I was afraid. I felt at times, you know, I believed his comments that I would never make it on my own and that I couldn't do it by myself. And so it really took a lot of work for me to get past that and to realize that no, I, he's taken too much for me and my kids. And I was going to start living my life. And I did all the work I could think of to get past that. And over time, I had women approaching me that I didn't know, asking me about their own situation. And I, I found it quite interesting that they were able to kind of, you know, weed me out and uh, talk to me. And so when I was going through it, particularly bad time after going to the lawyers. I remember going to my parents and uh, saying that I don't know how this is going to look or what it's going to be, but I vow to one day 
I'm going to help women who are going through this so that they and their family don't have to go through the hell that this is. And if I can help just one person, then that's great. And so I've been for the last uh, 17 years now, I've been, you know, helping women just as someone they can talk to who understands what it's like. Um, you know, I found it very intimidating for myself to talk to therapists, um, you know, especially if they weren't experienced in domestic abuse, because I felt that they were smarter than I was and had more authorization and authority in that area. So I, you know, I felt intimidated by that. And there were messages that I received from them at times that were not helpful. And so I uh, I knew that that's why I could maybe help is because I could talk to someone from someone who's been through it and understands it. And that has been such a huge part of what I do now. And uh, I actually have also just been um, trained as a peer support worker for Suggest for finding yourself, uh, finding yourself voices, or finding your voices, sorry. And uh, it's about, you know, women who are going through that journey, and finding their voices, and, you know, helping them move forward and go through the, the healing process. So I'm really proud to be part of that. I'm also working with the uh, City of Spruce Grove in the Tri-Region on different ways that we can help bring awareness and educate people on domestic abuse and domestic violence. Um, the one thing that, <laughs> that I am always saying is that I'm not a fan of the domestic violence uh, term because I think that there's too much emphasis put on that violence. And that's what leads to so many women misunderstanding what domestic abuse is and that it is not always violent. In fact, of the seven forms of abuse, only two are physical. So, you know, that's been my other thing that I've been, uh, you know, talking to people about is I use the term domestic abuse. But uh, as for what I do personally, I, um, I write, I'm a copywriter. And so I am very much in belief that uh, communication is so important. So there's the right words, which is what I use for my day job. And then I try and help women heal from the wrong words and the hurtful words. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> I love how you have put that phrase together. That's not something that is easily forgotten, that mm. the right words and, and those wrong words and I think that really solidifies the abuse definition that, that you know, it's actually legally changed the definition of domestic violence to include so many other forms of abuse that aren't always considered. And I think it's really, it's unfortunate that so many of us stay in situations because we have this idea ourselves we doubt we're in denial of what we're living um i mean i can jump right in and share how some of the extremes i've seen in my life where just three years ago a friend of mine was shot and killed in a murder suicide in an abusive situation 
I have another lady that I've connected with and she, she survived being stabbed multiple, multiple times. And, you know, we have those pictures in our mind thinking, wow, you know, I haven't, I don't compare. I'm in denial as far as what I'm experiencing. I, I don't necessarily feel safe. I am doubting my own sanity and reality, et cetera, et cetera. And we sometimes, not sometimes, often we downplay what we're experiencing and there's shame and guilt. And, you know, we, we talk about that frog in the boiling water analogy that I feel fits many situations where, you know, you get in, you're in this, in the pot of water that feels just comfortable and it very gradually is, is becomes dangerous. And as that water, that water heats or the situation escalates, you don't notice and you tend to downplay the little warning signs you might feel and you just stay in there. So it's, it's dangerous in that way. It's dangerous for our psyche. It changes our brains. It changes, it affects our health physically as well. It's, it's a very troubling situation to consider how many people are experiencing it. Now you shared a very interesting statistic with me recently on, on, you know, just how many people, if we were to look around are actually affected and consider that if it isn't you, you probably know one or two people minimum. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That one in three um, women will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. And chances are we all know women who've, you know, more than one that have struggled through that. And the statistic though is the same for women who will experience abuse is one in three. The difference is, is that we don't talk about the abuse. It's kind of that um, dirty little secret that, you know, we try and keep to ourselves. And that's so sad because those women need that support just as much as anyone suffering from a health, a physical health condition. Mm -hmm. And I think our, one of our main motives in this education piece as well is it's support, but also to educate the other two thirds of the population that know whether they want to see it or admit it, they may hear a tentative call for help, or they may be able to open a conversation that says, I, I noticed this, you know, how, how did that, how did that make you feel or have that compassion and understanding instead of jumping on them with questions that they themselves can't answer, you know, how come you stayed so long? Are you sure it's abuse? Why, why did you let this, let it get to this point, all those questions that they're already struggling with. And then, and then when they ask for help, they're being, being asked these questions again, and it just sheds further doubt. And my understanding is it can take seven to 12 times sometimes for a woman to finally, the leaving isn't so difficult. It's the staying out. And when they go back, uh, they've now, they feel lower, they feel less, they doubt themselves more. And they've probably, there's probably some escalation in the abuse. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, that, I mean, that was my experience as well as that, you know, tried to leave 
was convinced to come back. And a lot of it was societal pressure too, that, you know, do you really want your kids to grow up with just one parent? Uh, that's not good for them. And the one thing that I can say is that I, you know, having gone through that, I would much rather see a child raised in um, an environment where they're loved by one parent versus being in an unhealthy and dangerous situation in order to just have those two parents around. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned the, the question, people, is it abuse? Is it even abuse? And that is the number one question that I'm asked by women is, how do I know it's abuse? And I will tell them that, you know, if you're asking, chances are it is. But um, there's, there's such a oddly defined way that people assume that in order for it to be considered abuse or for you to even consider talking about it or being afraid needs to be justified with some sort of an injury. And that injury can occur internally. I mean, it. I can't tell you how many times I thought, I just wish he would hit me so that people could see the the bruise or the pain that he's inflicting because especially back then it wasn't even talked about to have you know any other form of abuse other than physical abuse and even when my therapist told me that it was abuse I didn't believe her I said no it's it's not he's never hit me before and she warned me and said it will escalate and and it did and um you know, a lot of people also think that in order for it to escalate, it needs to escalate physically. But it can be things like destroying items, breaking things, punching walls, punching doors. There's all these ways that they are, you know, giving this, there's this coercive control that they uh, will have over you so that, I mean, you're terrified. And it's it's hard to imagine like how many people ask me well how can you be afraid if he's never hit you well if you're being told that you know someone's going to kill you or they're going to they've got their guns and they collect guns and all these things i mean there is that fear and there was that fear of the unknown and i know it may sound strange but i've compared it to a lot of people who don't understand is to movie jaws <laughs> I'd say, you know what? You don't see that shark, but you hear the music. <laughs> and there's that fear, you know, and you don't need to see that shark in order to be afraid. And uh, people were able to understand that. So that's, that's a great analogy. And it, and even as you watch that type of movie, if you want to continue with that analogy, you become hypervigilant. You're watching, you you don't know when this is going to happen. You know what's going to happen. You don't know when. And 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 then you're taken through times of you let your guard down, then something triggers and you're right back where it hurts a lot. And it takes a long time, even after you leave, to come down from that adrenaline and from that hypervigilance and relax and even to trust now I say trust not only the people around you 
but to trust yourself and trust your choices and trust your instincts because you feel like you've really let yourself down to allow yourself to be in spaces like that and to be treated that way. And, and that's part of the healing process afterward. And I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Another thing that really bothers me that I, I want women to understand is when they leave, there are places and people you can talk to that will help you. So you only have to tell your story once mm -hmm. and then they will help coordinate the, all the different aspects of care you need right to places that will help support rehoming your pet temporarily because sadly there are people who have had the well-being of their pet threatened if they were to leave or they need to go into temporary housing for themselves or themselves and their children and don't have anywhere to have a pet and you know even that aspect is considered so all all ways of support are available and there are organizations that can help where you don't have to go in and re keep retelling your story with the fear that you're going to bump into someone who doesn't believe you. And then you, all that guilt and, and doubt comes back again. Now you mentioned an organization you're working with and, and the, the training that you've just received. Can you tell us more about that, please? Yeah, of course. Uh, so suggest is based out of Red Deer and uh, they're, uh, I guess you could probably say they're similar to the Today Center here in Edmonton, and they're down um, south. And so they focus on, you know, educating and creating awareness and offering different support programs to help people that are going through abusive situations. And I actually heard about them where I was uh, doing some copywriting for, and they had them come in to talk to employers because that is the one thing too that I'm very passionate about is that employers have the perfect opportunity because in most cases, and I know for myself, the only time I was away from my abuser was to go get groceries and to go to work. And fortunately, I had an employer who was years ahead of the game. And if it wasn't for them, I don't know if I would have gotten out because they offered me therapy, they, whatever I needed, if I needed to go somewhere, they would let me go during work so that it wouldn't raise suspicions with my, my husband. And they, you know, offered whatever time off I needed to go to the lawyer, to go to therapy, to take care of my kids. Um, you know, it, it was so helpful. They even put a security alarm system in my home and uh, it was that is just so important. I mean, it's you think of how many women are going to work and they're terrified, so they're distracted. They might have quite a few sick days because they're either hurt or they're too afraid to leave the house. They, you know, they need to stay home. And it just benefits both the employer and the employee when the employer can get behind it and, you know, be aware of what to watch for and what programs are out there to help. And that was where um, I initially met uh, Suggest was because that's the kind of thing they were talking about was how employers can help with that. And so I, um, you know, just, they contacted me, they had heard about me through uh, the Tri-Region 
and I was working with them on uh, Family Violence Month last November. Uh, we did some planning, and they asked me if I would do some training, become a peer support worker, so they could move their program up north uh, into the Edmonton and Tri-Region area as well. So I happily accepted. It was a great way to, you know, spread whatever help I can do. And I think that's so important. I thank you for doing that on behalf of everyone out there whose <laughs> lives you'll touch. As a peer support worker, what could give us an example of how you would use your training, where 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 the contact is made and then what what happens from then on? So with the with Suggest's program, it um, they create a six week program and schedule it. And then they have a registration night so that people can come and, you know, find out about the program, register. Uh, they can also register online. And then it's the following six weeks is going through different modules about how they can understand what they went through and what can be done to, you know, move forward and to start listening to themselves and believing in themselves and not being afraid to speak up for themselves. And, uh, you know, it, it's such a, a powerful thing to have that, to offer that to somebody and to have it coming from a peer support worker who is someone who has been through it just offers, I think, that much more credibility because, you know, we, we've been through it, we understand We've been through the trenches, so to speak, and we've come out the other side. And, you know, we want them to have that hope and to know that you can get through it. So that's what that program's about. It's very encouraging. And I, I like that it's not done in a weekend, say. There's just, there's too much to go through. Can it be done online or is this something that's done in person? Uh, currently, we are looking at doing it in person. We may consider a hybrid model at some point, but um, just because of COVID, everything was online. So they're trying to just get back into the, you know, in-person. It just has more powerful connections and, um, and an interaction and involvement when you're there in person. Oh, definitely. And is it one-on-one -on -one or in groups? It's in groups. So okay. they're small groups and uh, and there's two facilitators that are there. There's myself and Linda. She's another peer support worker. And again, she's lived experience. So we're there to, you know, help these women and be there as someone who can share, you know, not just from our own experience, but from our training as well and what we've learned over the years. And I think there's a lot of power in the group setting because these women you know some might be ready to share something that would then be a benefit to others they would then be able to relate and again that is reinforced that you aren't alone yeah and all levels of abuse any not level i don't like that connotation <laughs> that it draws but all forms of abuse are dealt with and addressed and welcome to to work through anything that they've experienced yes 
Yeah, that's correct. And that's, you know, the one thing that um, I, you know, I know that there's that non-physical form and people may downplay it or think that it's, um, you know, as you mentioned, the level of abuse is, is more minimal. But when it comes to that, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard stories of women who were either horrendously hurt or killed but it was the first time that any physical abuse was put on them because all the abuse before that was non-physical. And so there's, you know, this, this thought that, well, maybe I'm safe because there is no physical abuse. And that's what, you know, one of the messages that we're trying to get out there is that all forms of abuse are abuse and they all have the potential to be just as dangerous. And in fact, I, I know therapists that have said that the emotional and mental type of abuse can be more damaging and harder to recover from than physical abuse, because you really don't know what is happening at times. You you doubt yourself. And, you know, the, the thing that people need to understand is abuse is like a, an iceberg. I mean, you see the tip of it above the water. You don't see all the stuff that goes below it. The, as you had mentioned, the threats to pets, threats to other family members, threats to sabotage them at their work. Um, all these different threats to whether it's to have them, you know, sent back to a country that they lived in, they had moved over from. Um, there's just so many things that go into it. So when people say, well, you know, why aren't you leaving? Or the easy one is you just need to leave, <laughs> which is natural. You want to protect them. But that's why is because there's this huge underlying amount of stuff going on that we don't even see. It's so true. Uh, finances, there's another thing that comes to mind. Yes. A lot of people feel has kept them that they need to stay because of and, and it's even used to manipulate and that's a form of of one of the domestic abuses that is quite common yes and it's really yes. unfortunate uh, when can people find out where can they find out more and when can they uh reach out to success or to any other organization that 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 you work with is it 24 hours and seven days a week is it uh you know what happens when they do reach out do they talk to a person or are they told sorry next agency next agency type of thing that so with i'm not sure suggests how they work out of red deer because um that part i'm not involved in the processing of it but um if they want to contact, uh, they can go to the username on Linktree is Be Empowered Alberta. And if you go there, it will have, there's actually a spot where you can contact the person that is taking names down for when we have the next program. And they will be notified when registration is going to begin. We want to have a certain number, minimum number of people that are are there. And because it is so new, you know, we're just getting the word out now. But uh, that's 
the best option. And there's also, if you go to, again, Linktree, um, if you go to Safe Horizon, um, you will find that there is uh, resources there for the tri-region and some of the Edmonton area as well. Okay. So. We will definitely share these links in the show notes. So it's a quick click for anybody who wants to find access uh, for that. Mm -hmm. And on the YouTube channel, it'll be in the comments. This is very encouraging to know that there are ways that people can find support, not only initially in that acute phase of just out the door and, you know, trying to help, you know, hold their hand and, and help them to to really believe that making that decision is the right thing and that they have the support and they don't get caught in those doubts and, and, and get pulled back into something that there's a reason they left. The other thing that's really encouraging is that then they can get into these healing programs and, and it'll just jumpstart the new life, the fresh start that they have to to look forward to and will hopefully give them that courage and, and power to stay on the path to a, to a better life. Absolutely. So I uh, would like to know more as well about your copywriting work. Now you said you've worked with organizations such as suggest, and that's how you met them. How do you fit these two worlds together and uh you have a blog as well on your website yes it's not as up to date as it should be because i'm doing work for other people <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's actually part of it i would say stemmed from my initial experience because i i loved writing in college i did take um visual design and communications at grant McEwen as well as creative writing. But when I was going through my situation, journaling was so cathartic. It just was so helpful and it also helped my lawyer, <laughs> but I just really loved that process. And I've always been in marketing and branding and uh, all those different areas of creative work. So it was something I just decided I wanted to focus on was was copywriting and I love it it's uh it's so much fun I am so happy you brought up the journaling because wherever our audience is listening from in whatever point in their life they are to stop and write those feelings those reactions what you're living write it down and reflect on it and I've had some friends of mine who've experienced abuse suggest a couple things for me to share with these audiences. Now, as you know, I'm gathering stories to put together as a compilation in a book so people can read and, and hear more than just my voice and hopefully find some encouragement and support there. But also uh, sharing stories in the blog, sharing just like we're doing today with the podcast and whatever ways we can reach people but one a couple of suggestions that were made that can really help is a place where they start recording and 
out of your, you know, however you need to do that to feel safe is record incidents because it was life-changing for, for a couple of the friends that mentioned this when they actually started writing down anytime there'd been something verbal or if it was physical, anything that was abusive or made them feel uncomfortable or unsafe, they started writing it down. And when they realized the frequency and the intensity of it, that's when they went, oh, this is a bigger problem than I'm giving it credit. I cannot no longer be in denial on this. This is very real. The other thing was to include checklists for for women to to your head is messed up I've been there and uh, I wasn't in a place where I felt I needed this type of a checklist but many are and it's things you wouldn't have considered that you will need once you leave some certain paperwork some documents that that you just think oh I'll be able to just ask for them or get them or I might not need that and to put that together so that is something really important that I'm compiling and uh you know it doesn't have to be super long just what what is most important what's critical what do you maybe want to consider and Mm -hmm. and give that to women and as they even just acknowledging as they read that oh I should maybe do that a big red flag should go up because that's another sign that internally you know that Mm -hmm. you should be preparing and considering getting into a safer space well and it's it's very empowering to you know and that's something that I give to my clients I've got a checklist of you know what they need for finances what they need for their school you know if their kids are in school for medical records all these things but even other things as simple as you know having a an emergency bag somewhere whether it's in your home or you have it at a friend's house, a trusted friend. Um, it's if you have an old cell phone that doesn't have a plan, as long as you keep it charged, you can call 911 from it. You don't need it, ha- it does need to be attached to a plan. Um, you know, having your vehicle backed up so that if you need to leave, you're not worrying about backing up or anything. You know, you can go and So there's a lot of things like that, just knowing and having that in the back of your mind and being able to prepare bit by bit. It just takes away from the pressure because when you're leaving, the last thing you need to to do is to be distracted by do I have everything or what do I need? You just need to be able to grab your kids and go. And, you know, and that was something that helped me was because I, you know, I tried to do the leaving, you know, by surprise (laughs) and, uh, and it didn't work. And so when I was able to kind of wrap my head around it and be prepared, made a world of difference. So it just makes you more focused and you're safer. I appreciate you sharing your experiences about that. And apparently I don't need to recreate this list. (laughs) (laughs) Is that, I can give it to you. <laughs> yeah, is that something we can we can share or have people contact uh, either we'll figure out you you or me or the show here and then we can provide that for them and have it as a as a download that's yep. available. So that would be that would be amazing. And uh, yeah, the power that that gives the courage 
because a person's mind is already so focused on survival and being in survival mode and that fight or flight and, and and the fawn that the figure out part, which is the fourth F I always like to throw in there is, is very difficult to access. I mean, that's scientifically proven that when, when you're in survival mode, it's hard to access the, the rational thought. So to have those preparations ready mm-hmm. and those considerations, the transition will be easier and less stressful and you won't be as panicked. You can leave with the, just a little more focused on that survival, safety, protecting, whether it's your kids or yourself, than thinking, oh, and I need to get this and that. Just like if you're leaving from a fire, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a similar scenario. And that's why I, part of the reason I call it hope and hell, because there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a devil, there's fire. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. So thank you so much, Donna. I look forward to having you back again, and we're going to dive more into some of the, some of the work that you do and the things that you've learned and some of the examples of, you know, people that you've helped and places that they've they've come from because everybody's voice is very important you know you and I can share what we've seen and what we've learned but when someone else shares their voice then that resonates with with different people and the more the more voices we have the more powerful it is to to really let people know they aren't alone we we you are seen you are heard you are believed and and you know big group hug like we just we're ready we're ready to help you and it it might feel like it's messy it might feel like there's just so much guilt and shame involved but we've been there yeah thank you for the work that that you do and the voice that you've already um shared and in such it takes a lot of bravery and vulnerability thank you thank you for having me and thank you for what you're doing much needed uh, it's something and I don't know if you've felt the same I just wanted to walk away and not look back but I keep getting these nudges to make good of it and and not leave others feeling not leave others stranded where I was because uh, you know what we can do will make a difference absolutely yeah thanks again We'll have you back again in the future. Sounds great. Thank you. Hopefully you heard something today that helps you wherever you might be in life. Do you have questions or suggestions for a topic you want to know more about? Let me know. Check the show notes for all the contact information. Follow this podcast and find us on social. Know anyone who might find this information helpful? Be a friend and share it. And hey, thank you for hanging out with me today. Keep smiling that beautiful smile. The world needs your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through divorce or separation. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com slash terms of service. The link is in the show notes. And the legal language, our disclaimer, Divorce Magazine Canada website, events, resource groups, blog, and all content, including our podcast, is intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information. 
The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada does not constitute endorsements for nor liability for any claims made in the presenting of this information.